Blog Talk Radio. Whoa. Welcome to the show. Huh? Hey, welcome. Are, are you are you here for the show? Yeah, I'm here for the show. Why are you here? Oh, I I came here for the show as well. Uh, we just uh, we, we just fired up the Facebook Live. Uh, I'm here with Alfred Ferdinand Larcher the third, looking good. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Well, it's another Monday night. Thank you guys for uh, for joining us. We appreciate you being here. There's a lot to get into this week. Of course, uh, the Chicago Bears played a football game. There was some daily fantasy football going on with some, uh, I don't know, a new partnership uh, happened uh, in daily fantasy football amongst the Larcher and Lawrence and crew here. Well, much like, much like, much like this show, you know, I do all the work and uh, you reap all the benefits. Fair. Uh, there you go. Uh I, I would just have to have to uh, say that uh, things worked out pretty well in uh, in daily fantasy football this week. Uh, there's also uh, there was some professional wrestling going on this past weekend. Uh, pretty much these days, you can find professional wrestling almost any day of the week anywhere uh, at a decent quality, either on TV or streaming. Uh, there's there's a pretty fun show. Al, I don't think you and I have ever touched much on it on our show. I know you you were interested in it, and we talked about it outside. But NWA was back. Uh, Billy Corgan, of course, bought it a couple of years ago, and they got themselves a weekly show streaming on YouTube. That uh, it it takes place in a in a studio. Oh my! Uh, a bit of a throwback. A bit of a throwback. It is, guys. You can join in uh, with us here tonight. Uh, leave a comment on Facebook Live if you're watching there. Uh, if you, uh, if you're not watching, if you're listening, uh, you know, thank you for listening, but you can call in whether you're watching or not, you can give us a call 760-454-8834. Again, that number is 760-454-8834. All right. Yeah. So yesterday the Chicago bears played, um, the 10th game of the season, the ninth game of uh, their season so far. And, um, I didn't watch it. I felt, uh, well, I started out, you know, I, of course, we do a little draft king. So I was over on the red zone and I kicked over to watch the Bears game and it was boring five minutes in. I kicked over to the red zone and I never looked back and then I was a half, I was asleep by halftime. So I understand they won the game. Yeah. Um, but the second half they played, they played a little bit better, I would gather. Uh, things started clicking by the end of the first half a little bit, but it was a boring football game. It just, as a Chicago Bears fan watching the game, I I was disgusted. I it was the same old, same old. You're playing against the 31st ranked defense in the league, and your offense still can't get it going. Uh, turning the channel wasn't a bad idea. I missed a lot of the first quarter myself because I had paused the game beforehand. I had it over on Fox, of course. Paused it. You know, two FC teams playing. I was able to get started again. You know, 25 minutes in, I was going to go start it. However. The game wasn't on Fox, Al. Two NFC teams, again, playing on CBS uh, due to flexes and what have you. Well, that's just ridiculous. They shouldn't do that. It makes everything confusing. You know, when something's where it should be, I want it where it should be. You know, why move things? Yeah, I think this is where the where the kids say, okay, boomer. I think that's the line that they're going with these days. I don't know what that means. 
You know, I, I've I've just had a I've had a horrible week. My car my car is dead. I'm pretty sure it's completely dead. So I need to go shopping for a new car, which I was going to do today, but it's too cold, which is another problem. It's too damn cold out there. All it's week I, I, I've, I've I've come home and there's been this horrible smell, and uh, it smelled like penicillin. It smelled like a moldy fruit, and I, I would search and search and search, and I, I couldn't find any anything moldy. So finally I realized, well, it's probably coming from the pipes. Uh, the, the, this hole in the wall was open to, where they were working on some plumbing, and there was kind of a lemony smell coming from that. So I sealed that up. Next day I come home, I get the same damn smell, and I keep looking, I keep looking. Finally I find out I have a moldy lemon. And uh, now the problem's solved there. But uh, a week of, uh, of horrible odors, no car. Hell, I even got suspended at work. I mean, it's just one of those weeks where the cold is here, the snow is falling. Uh, I, I didn't want. I didn't want to get out of bed today. I didn't want to do the show. I. I, I just. Uh, it, it's. It's. I'm over. It's done. Yeah, fair. I, I'm there with you. There's about four or five inches of snow out there today, Al. It's. Uh, it's ridiculous. I. I had to go out and shovel it. Uh, today. Why do you have to shovel it? What's that? I, I don't understand this concept of shoveling. If the snow falls, leave it. No, you, you, you shovel it so people can walk over it. Who? Who's walking down the street? Who are these people who are going out for walks when it's uh, negative zero degrees outside? The well, hell with those people. They don't need people, a sidewalk shoveled. People walk you got to, things to do. Walk to public transportation to get a ride. Oh, please. They walk in the like street. Uh, and it is illegal. For me to not do my duty as a good neighbor, uh, I I need to shovel or I could be cited. I believe the fine is up to five hundred dollars for not shoveling. Yeah, them are the bouncy up. castles. That's all a scam, buddy. If somebody comes up to you and writes you a ticket for not shoveling, you know, let me know. I, I will make some calls to the alderman. Nobody gets yeah. ticketed for that. That's all. That's all BS. <sighs> now, what a waste. Word as you can. I don't know. But uh, I, I did mine. I did the neighbors. Got some steps in. Hazel helped me out a little bit. It, it worked out. It worked out pretty well today, Al. It really did. did. You charge the neighbors? No, no, no. Oh, I'm Jesus. Just, you, you do something. I scratch their back, then they just look at me dirty. I don't know. You know so what you're saying is you went outside and you played in the snow with your kids. I get it. Four five four eight eight three four to join in on the call. Leave us a comment over there on Facebook Live if you want to hit us up there. Uh, we are coming at you from Chicago, Illinois. That Bears game, Al, you snooze through half of it. You watch the red zone for the other half, and that all makes a lot of sense. Um, that offense, I, you know, when I, when I turned the game on in the middle of the second quarter, we were at about they were at about twenty-seven yards. Twenty-seven yeah, yards. I, don't, they were. I think when I tuned in, they they hadn't had a first down in like all game. Um, how you can have an offense that is that offensive is, is absolutely beyond me. None of it, none of it makes sense. No, I mean, even the worst teams in the NFL could get some first downs. The, the freaking uh, the two-wind uh, Miami Dolphins are getting the job done, you know? Yeah, they find yeah. ways. They figure out. They scheme around their issues. I've, I've seen some of that happening. I have. Uh, here's Mitchell Trubisky finished with 173 yards uh, on – on the day to grab that 20 to 13 victory, my friend. He uh, he threw three touchdown passes, and uh, and that was his day against a bad a bad uh, Detroit defense. 
in their offense being run by their second string guy because Matthew Stafford missed one of the only games of his career. And then I believe where the running back went out. Yeah, he did. Johnson went out early. Yeah. Who's the third string running back? The Lions seem to have guys dropping everywhere. Uh, kind of an interesting note before the game. Uh, what was it? Former second round pick tight end. Uh, Adam Shaheen uh, was inactive, just a healthy scratch. And they brought up that guy who kind of was uh, all over the place in the preseason. Uh, he went to an Ivy League school, Braunecker, Braunecker. And he, uh, he got the first touchdown of the day for the Bears on that 18-yard pass from Mitchell Trubisky. You know, Trubisky's passes, uh, some of them looked really good. Now, he's still overthrowing people here all over yeah. the place. But, I mean, some of the passes look pretty good. I don't know. You put – go ahead. You put anybody out there and some of the passes are going to look good. What about me? You put me out there, are some of the passes going to look good? Well, you're not you're not a football player, so any anybody capable of making an NFL roster, you're going to have a quarterback who some of the passes are going to look good. I could complete a pass. No, you can't. Not, not in the NFL. Fast. No, you couldn't even you couldn't even get the snap out, Clark. I'm going to be honest with you. Your hands are too no. small. You don't know how the process works. You don't know about footwork. You 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 don't know about people rushing in your face. Like you'd be a disaster. There's no way you would, you would, you would get a pass out there. Yeah, I'll trust the process. All right, Clark. I'm gonna trust the process, and I'm gonna invite anybody. Uh, if you're listening, and you got a high school team, if you got a college team, and you want to get your college defensive players together, your friends, your family, and you want to rush Clark, Clark can build his own offensive line. We'll see if he can complete a pass. All right. Let's see what happens here. I don't know. I think, I think, I think we'd make it. I think we'd do just fine. Um, maybe one pass. We? Who's the proverbial we? Anybody can lucky, lucky and complete a pass. We, you and I, you know, buddies, pals. I'm not playing. Man. What do you think? I'm going to be your center? I'm not going out there. I'm not breaking a sweat. I don't think that I could catch an NFL snap if I was lined up in shotgun. I think it comes That's what I'm saying. Gut. It'd come at my gut, and I'd just get the wind knocked out of me by the flipping ball. Did you ever play quarterback in high school? Um, I did like oh, bullshit. Sometimes. And yeah, then you in, know uh, you then. Get out of in here. Junior tackle, in junior tackle, I played uh, three downs as quarterback in a game, in a live game. Uh, I had a pass that was not caught, but it was right there. It should have been caught. I was a little disappointed. It was a tight end. Just uh, He did like a quick little curl. And I hit him right there, right about the face mask where he should just had to put his hands up, and he dropped it. It's all right. It happens. Uh-huh. Well, I think if you were to get, like, if an NFL or a professional lineman were to snap you the ball, I think you'd break your fingers. I Absolutely. I, I believe that could possibly happen. Um, speaking Bears, uh, the running game. I mean, David Montgomery was supposed to go off yesterday, right? I mean, oh my God. that's one of their weekends. They're their weekends. That's one of uh, Detroit's weaknesses, right? One of the keys in fantasy football, especially in tournament play, is when a guy is that chalky who's not that good, walk away. Just walk away. And uh, I didn't walk away. The field didn't walk away. I believe he was more owned than Christian McCaffrey. Um, everybody. Everybody played David Montgomery this week because 
the matchup was that appropriate, where it, it was, okay, this guy, especially on DraftKings for the price he was at, this is the guy, this is the play, this is, this is a key that's going to get you better players. He's the perfect number two running back on a fantasy football, on a daily fantasy football team. And uh, no, he, he, uh, that didn't happen. That didn't happen at all. I think, that, I think he, uh, you know, one of the things you look for in fantasy football is you want a guy who's going to get targets and handoffs. And, you know, if you get 20-plus of those two combined, you'll be fine. Uh, he, he's been moving as the number one uh, running back. And then earlier in the week they released Mike Davis, who, you know, we signed, who some thought would be actually the starting running back this year. I thought he was going to be more involved in this offense. And uh, so they, get, they cut Mike Davis, so there's not a lot of depth out there. So you're thinking, all right. And they've been treating him as a number one running back, giving him the number one carries, you know, 15-plus carries a game, which is right. hard to find in the NFL besides your elite running backs. So he's priced down, he's getting the work, and they were throwing to him. He was getting, he was, he was getting involved in the passing game. They were running screens to him. They were going underneath to him. And then – so – he was a logical play, so you're watching this game thinking he's going to do something. Guy ends up with 17 touches for 60 yards, no touchdowns, zero pass targets. That's what crushed it. Absolutely zero times attempted pass. Four targets went to uh, Tariq Cohen, who ended up uh, putting up 13 DraftKings points versus David Montgomery's uh, six. Tariq Cohen statistically is one of the worst players in the NFL. So. Jesus. You know, they, they get him involved, and I'm happy for him. But, yeah, they siphon away the, the uh, targets that should have went to Montgomery straight to uh, – well, And, yeah, and you can't play him with his, you know, three touches. That was just our new – that was our new advertisement. I'm sorry, Al. You there? Yeah. Yeah, Montgomery in the dollar game, brother, he had uh, – he was like 36% played uh, – Unreal. Everybody had him out there. Yeah. Everybody, as you had said. That's crazy. Um, I don't know, man. Uh, I don't think there's much to know that came out of that game. They go to Los Angeles next uh, Sunday night football, and the Bears will be playing there. Um, who are the Los Angeles Rams right now? I think it's kind of uh, up in the air. That team had seemed pretty dominant, and now there might be – I mean, they're, they're, don't get me wrong. They're a good football team, but – do the Bears have a shot? Oh, absolutely. Is it an away game or a home game? It's at at Los Angeles. We have no chance. Here's one of those things: if you're smart, if you smart money and you gamble and you you know what's going on, the number one, the quarterback of the uh, Los Angeles Rams, Goff, is he's one of these guys who when he sees pressure, he just crumbles. So if you could pressure the quarterback, his pass rating drops tremendously. I mean, it's like a 40, 50 point uh, uh, drop in games where he sees pressure. He also is one of the rare quarterbacks who can't play on the road. You know, uh, famously for many, many years, that guy was um, Ben Roethlisberger, who was like, he had like a 98 QB rating at home, but anytime he was on the road, it suddenly dropped to 75, and you know, you could say, well, you know, the, the problem with the NFL and, and numbers and, and statistics and, and being an analytical guy is there's only 17 games. There's 16 games in a season. So sample size makes it often hard to really 
read or or see if it's a trend or if this is something that's statistically based that seems to constantly happen as an average. And with Ben Roethlisberger, I mean, there's years of evidence that the guy couldn't play on the road. And golf has the exact same situation. The guy is terrible on the road. You know, if you see if you see the Rams are playing and you know and you want to play some fantasy players, you have to start looking at decreasing your value of of Cooper Cup, of Woods, of Cooks. Um, you just have to start thinking, okay, this isn't a very good play because they're on the road. So with them at home and the Bears not as good at getting pressure on the quarterback as you would think, um, especially with Khalil Mack out there. Uh, I think uh, the Rams have a pretty good chance, especially since we beat them last year, uh, of, of really dominating this bad Bears team because that's what they are, even with a win. I mean, look, we beat the Lions, who didn't have their starting quarterback, who didn't have um, their starting running back. They didn't have their second-string running back. They didn't have um, – I believe their offensive line is banged up. You know, they have, they have elite receivers, but they got no one to get them the ball. And – uh and a defense that you should have easily been able to run against, and a defense you should have been able to cut up. So now you're going up against a much more elite defense. I believe the Rams are actually a pretty good defense. I have the numbers in front of me. Um, but I, I believe they play a really good defense. And they have an offense that when they're at home, they thrive, and they're going to be at home, and they're going to thrive in this game, and the Bears really don't have a chance. So, yeah. All right. Uh, those Rams currently they're five and four, um, two and two at home, three and two on the road, uh, and they just lost the game, of course, uh, this week. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I think you're right. I, I'm right there with you. My optimism level for them going into the game, uh, it's just not there. And thank you for providing some substance behind that, Al, uh, to throw in there. Larcher, I want to discuss. Uh, a little bit of a meeting of the minds yesterday. A little uh, bit of bubbly. The mega powers uh, had ho- came together yesterday. I was in the spot. Uh, I was home alone with the kids, so I wasn't able to get down and do a and do any research uh, to do my fantasy lineups. So I said to you, I said, "Hey Al, why don't you give me twenty teams? We'll go fifty-fifty on this. I believe is that is this how you recall?" Yeah, that's what I remember. Yesterday, and you yeah. make uh, maybe tell the the the, the loyal Larcher and Lawrence and Sports Attic listener here, uh, what what games are you you're still going with the same that you have been? You're playing in uh, 150 teams in like the 50 cent games and things like that. Yeah, I, I put together 150 rosters. Um, at least half of them are done by hand. The other half I, I generate based on a player pool, and um, uh, basically I break down to about. I, I do about 25 wide receivers, about 15 running backs. Um, I use, uh, I'll sometimes cut that down to 10 to 6. Um, you know, four or five tight ends, uh, three or four quarterbacks. And um, I build teams around that. And then I, uh, based on where the price is, I, I, I rate those players. So when you go shopping, you know, because yeah. that's what you do. You go and shopping for players. I go, all right, well, you know, all right, I have a – I have this guy. Uh, I have a three, three, three tier system. So, um, you know, I have okay. Christian McCaffrey is ten grand. Uh-huh. He's a number one. 
and uh, Saquon Barkley's a number one. So I have them both valued at the same, and they're in the exact same price point, but Barkley is $2,000 less. So I'm going to play more Barkley than I am McCaffrey, which right. was a bad move this week. But, you know, I do that. It really that matter, it starts mattering when you get down to the, the small money, the under $5,000 wide receiver, which is where you win or lose in uh, tournament play. And, uh, yeah, so I had, I had all the teams set to go. I had all the information done. You needed 20 teams. I, I figured I could whip those up pretty quick. And I mean, when the nice I, thing I ordered, the- you can't order anything to be delivered to you this quickly anywhere. Food, you go out to get it. soup, doesn't come this quickly, Al. I ordered up no. 20 teams, and you had them delivered to me under five minutes. I mean, yeah. it might have been. How about that? Thank you, Al. I appreciate the first that. Teams, those were the first teams I generated on the, on the day because I just finished doing all my hand teams. Oh, and um, so. After I do my hand teams, what I do, I don't know if that's a good term, hand teams. But once, once my hand teams are done, I wash the players out that I really don't believe in. Because, you know, now I'm asking the computer, based on a rating system that I built, to go ahead and generate teams. But I'd rather not play uh, the guys who, for example, I had some Lions. You know, I had, I had Galladay. Uh, in my list of players to buy. So when I was hand building teams, if I needed to take a risk somewhere, and I had, I think it was seven grand. If I had seven grand to spend, and uh, I wanted to, to uh, reduce risk because his ownership would be a little lower, and and leverage a play, I would go ahead and I would click the button, and I would not feel good about hiring um, Galladay with that, especially not knowing if Stafford was going to play. I suspected he wasn't going to. Um, so I, I would go ahead and do that. So when I get to the generated teams, now I'm going to fire all those guys that I just have no faith in. So you got a very, you know, I just went through and I got rid of all the guys I thought were really high risk or had injury possibilities. So then I generated uh, those teams based on my model. Yeah. As far as the injuries go, you knew that I might not have a time to change, swap anybody out. Right. So I appreciated you doing that for me. Yeah, Go ahead. yeah. I think that's what I'm saying. Like you need you need a quick team, so I'm not gonna take anybody who's got the question tag on them, or I know uh, could be in a, a compromised situation. So right. went ahead and we generated uh, 20 teams for you. I had a good day, and you had an even better day. I did have a really good day. Now, as as we started watching later in the day, like you know, you check in here and there, you maybe too much more than you want to because. Usually I do better if I'm not checking in often during the first game, or at least the first half. Yeah. Uh, but then I, I was keeping an eye on things, and things were looking pretty good. All of a sudden, uh, well, I put those 20 teams into the $1 game, right? And right. then I made, I made a cash team for your league, for, for our, our eight, eight to nine guy league. So I played that in a $3 game, and then I took two teams – that you had made for me two out of the 20 and put them into the $3 game as well. Well, that's where the magic happened. My friend. Oh yeah. The magic happened in the dollar game. I ended up 12 out of the 20 teams Al placed. Uh, the of number course. one team. The you got the larger magic there. working for you. Yeah. Hey, yeah. It just, you know, it, I'm going to scratch your back for you. You don't have to pat yourself on the back. All right. All right. Go, please. I Continue. You. I, but that, that I'm not going to play sound effects. Dollars. The best team won me $30 in that league. Well, a, a profit of 29 in the dollar game, right? I took 91st uh, in, yeah, in the dollar game. finish. With 229.46 points. Uh, that is one of the teams out of the two out of the 20 that I picked 
I picked the best one to put in the three dollar game, and that profited me. Well, I I, I took a uh, hundred and ninety seven dollars. It was two hundred dollars that I won there. So all in all, on the weekend, I spent, including the cash game, thirty four dollars, and I came out two hundred and fifty eight dollars and fifty cents ahead. Look at you! How about that? Hey, that was a good week. Um, now you're welcome, Clark. You're welcome. Here's where we got to have a discussion because when it was coming down to the wire, I hadn't it hadn't quite hit that much of a profit. It had profited a little bit, and you said to me, "Hey, don't worry about." I, I was like, "Hey, yeah," and, and you get half of this, and you're like, "Don't worry about that. That was only if we won big." So here's my question. Well, yeah. At that point, you were up. Yes, because at that point you were up eight dollars. So I'm like, I don't need to take you know eight. I don't need to take four dollars of his eight dollars. Like that's just that's silly. I was up like seventy five at that point, somewhere in there. No, 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 not when we talked. No, yeah, I I had already profited quite a bit, but regardless, half of that is yours. Like that's how this works. That it was a partnership. It was a deal, and a deal is a deal. And uh, I'll shoot the Venmo over by the end of the night. And there we go. All right. I like that. Cool. So I appreciate it. What are you doing? Well, if you want if you want to get if you want to go back in the plan, I I'll build more teams. I'm uh, I'm okay with it. In all honesty, so the way that I look at it is, I mean, you uh hang on, wait a minute. I gotta gotta strong cold this. There we go. Um you get to play more teams because you're not allowed right. to play any more than a certain amount of teams as it is. So this just gives you a wider net. Sure, you're not taking home as much profit, but that's that's the price you got to pay to get to get more lineups in. Is what I'm saying. So listen, uh, you know, give me a little more variance. I, I get to send my soldiers in the field, so I, I can look now at all my lineups and they're all named. So I, I could see uh, the ones that went to you, and um, I, I ended up on the day with 171 uh, teams, and uh, you know, 20 of those went to you. One of those is my cash game, and. Uh, my number one team, uh, I actually played. It, it was a tournament play. It was in the 50-cent game. It probably took about $30. Um, I, too, had a – you know, here's the thing. Like, I always say I'm one of the better tournament players in the country, and I truly believe that. I mean, most weeks I end up with a top 100 team. Now, uh-huh. the difference between money and not money is a top 10 team versus a top 100 team, you know. I'm taking it, you know, when I get, when I break the top hundred, I'm winning $20, $30 on a 50 cent team. So I'm making good money. I'm getting a great payback, but I'm not investing a lot. So it's not like ground shattering money. But the fact is I put the points up on a weekly basis. And because I keep landing in the top hundred, there is a chance that I am going to break that top 10. Um, So I had one team, I think really you needed about 260, 270 points to get uh, a, a number one victory in the tournament this week. My best team was actually my team that I played. It was 229.76 points. Um, my second best team was a Clark Bar 20, so that was one of your teams, that put yep. 229.46. So only a half point difference between the two teams. Both of them Kyle Murray, both of them Derek Henry, uh, both of them Christian Kirk, both screwed on uh, Godwin. Um, I had Slayton, you had Tate, um, I had Kelsey, you had Olsen, I had Crowder, you had Moore. We both had Pittsburgh. By the way, I played a lot of Pittsburgh this week. That they, they 25 points, 25 points, and they were um, 
uh, $2,600. So for $2,600, I was able to get this 25 points, uh, which was a really Four smart play there. Three interceptions, yeah. a defensive fumble recovery, and a touchdown. Yeah, that'll do it. That's a that's a good defensive week. Well done there. Thank you for uh, for playing them. Yeah, in the uh, three dollar game, it was good for 139th place for two hundred dollars. I had Chubb in there. Who? What, yeah, what I had Kurt. Okay. I had Curtis Samuel. So that that you know there was a, so there was a variance about four player difference there. Um, so but, the week on that, the weakest part on that Clark Bar team is just that Chubb's. Chubb didn't live up to the money that he cost, and uh, and Godwin, uh, not even close, not even half as productive as he needed to be. There's certain there's certain players when you look at the board when you look at the board you you got to go. Most teams, the best teams are the easy teams, and that's a team like um, uh, what's a good example? The Chicago Bears. Okay, if a receiver is going to have a good day, it's going to be Allen Robinson. You don't right. have to look elsewhere. The volume is going to go to Allen Robinson. If you play the San Diego Chargers, uh, there's, there's a great chance that guy is going to be Keenan Allen and nobody else. Um, you know, for weeks, Preston Williams, and my, even, even on bad teams you could find this, they only went to one player. Uh, another good example, Baltimore, the Ravens, uh, Lamar Jackson, he basically goes to Mar, uh, the tight end, you know, Andrew. So it's not always you know, the, the, the quarterback, but there's certain teams where one player dominates. Did you with see Tampa Bay, with did you Tampa Bay, his touchdown run now? Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. That dude's phenomenal. I think he's he was my good quarterback. number one uh, own quarterback for me this week. Of course, he was also the most expensive and he was the most obvious play, but um, yeah. So when you look at a team like Tampa Bay, you have two players you have Evans and Godwin. And really what you, what you need to do is you need to go, let me pick one of these two players, which one is going to have the good day, and then you go with that player. I sometimes don't do that. I'll split them. I'll put, I'll put, I'll put half of my uh, ownership on Godwin, and I'll put half my ownership on Evans, which you know, can lead to not the best of days because – you know, you're, you're splitting. I had 25% on Godwin and I had 27, no, 22% on Evans, who I think put up 40 points, 25% on Godwin, who put up a stinker at 13 points. So, you know, that, you don't know which way to go. Um, last week, it was a little more evident and I felt Evans was going to be the guy and I didn't play any Godwin. I had a good week because Evans was the guy. Um, this week I felt like it was a Godwin week and I made that mistake. So um, that was one of the one of the big mistakes I made on the board this week was I overplayed uh, Chris Godwin instead of Evans, who I believe was about the same price point. Okay, yeah, yeah. I mean Godwin has just been the go-to in this in my season log. I mean he he kept me he kept me in one of my leagues for a lot longer than I should have been because he's been solid all year. Anyway, and I stand, uh, I stand oh, corrected. Uh, Mike Evans ended up putting uh, 12 points up, so they both they both shit the bed. And a game that was supposed to be a shootout. So Godwin put up 13, Evans put up uh, whatever I said, yeah, 12. And uh, Evans was a little more money; it was like 300 dollars more. So yeah, well, you sure were right about Allen Robinson. I mean, 
Nine targets. The next uh, for receivers for the Bears was Gabriel at six. Of course, Robinson caught six out of the nine targets um, for 86 yards. You know, it's a decent fantasy day. It would have been nice if one of the three touchdowns would have gone to him. They did. Right. Will be it. Uh, yeah, I don't. I, I don't know, man. For the Bears, as you said, I, I my optimism level is low. For this fantasy stuff, however, I like this deal that we have going on here. And if correct me if I'm wrong, but Week 11 coming up this week is traditionally an LR. best week. It is. It's, it's a big money week. Yeah, so buy in. I'll sell you the teams. I mean, I'll, I'll not sell you the teams. I'll give you the profit share of the teams. That's fine. You know, you put your money on the line, I'll go ahead and give you, you know, uh, a week's worth of uh, information put together. I mean, people don't realize how much work I – and I say this every week, so maybe people do realize it. I put a lot of work in, in, in scouting players and, and teams Al, and stuff. and Al, a lot of reading. Put, I think you put 30 hours a week. I do. In, I do, easily. In, yeah, it, you have two full-time jobs. Yeah. It's more like 10. I, I would say 10 hours a week, 10 to 15, but, I mean, that's a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know you know, who's a beautiful fantasy play and has been all year and uh, did it again this week, is, and, and it was obvious. He was the number one receiver on the board for me, and he was my priority play because I thought um, McCaffrey was just a little too expensive. Um, and... I thought I thought Barkley would do better. I, he was one of mine, but I thought the play of the week was going to be Michael Thomas, who this guy has been putting up points left and right. He was 8K, and he put up 30 points. Now, mind you, he put up 30 points, which is a lot. Do you realize he put up 30 points as a wide receiver without a touchdown? What? Wow. So the beauty, the beauty of Michael Thomas, that, that, I'll get there. That, that's, that's the exact point. This guy, he has a low A dot. You know, the A dot is the average depth of target, which tells you how, where a receiver is getting the ball. He's not a guy who, who gets uh, the high, uh, deep bombs that, that's high risk. You know, a guy either gets the deep ball and puts up big money or doesn't get the deep ball and fails. Uh, a guy who had a great week who I played a lot of and uh, I did, uh, did us well because it was the game stack on those two best games was uh, Kirk um, uh, of Arizona. Now, that guy is a deep ball catcher. So if he gets that deep, if he's able to beat his guy, he, he could go off and put up 50, 40, 50 points, have an amazing day. Michael Thomas gets everything underneath, but he gets so much volume. He, listen, to these, these, are the last, uh, these are the last four games for Michael Thomas. 12 targets, 8 catches. 11 targets, 9 catches. 11 targets, 11 catches. This week, 14 targets, 13 ta- catches. The guy catches everything thrown at him, and he gets it at a high volume. He put up 152 yards uh, receiving this week on, uh, on 14 targets and 13 catches. So if this guy would have gotten a touchdown or two touchdowns, you're talking a 40, 50 point week from uh, Michael Thomas. And it just keeps going. Like you need to be playing Michael Thomas every week. Unless the matchup absolutely shuts him down. I mean, against the Chicago bears, decent defense, 11 yeah. targets, uh, nine catches, 131 yards. You can't shut nope. him down completely. You, you just can't and, do it. And he's going to, he's going to have the means to get more. He's been, he's only had one touchdown in the last four games. So he's he's due. Like he's going to regress to his average, which 
is usually about a touchdown a game. So, you know, that's a guy you need to be watching. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 40, he had 44% ownership, so it's not like I'm, I'm telling trade secrets here. Like, the guy, people know, people are on him, but just a tremendous fantasy player. Just want to give props out to uh, Michael Thomas. Uh, yeah, our our uh, our cash league gal. I don't know if you noticed, but uh, running number one and two on the league average right now is none other than uh, the number one team in our in our nine nine nine. There's what nine or ten people in the in the in the league. Um, yeah, eight to nine. Yeah, and uh, number one overall, averaging 115.5 points. Per game is Big Elwood. That's you, my friend. Thank you. Alfred Fernand Archer, the third. The third. Uh, and uh, number two is uh, Clark in Lakeview with 108.5 points per game. Uh, and that's just counting the last six games. We didn't start the league until the last six games. Right. Because I noticed on the leaderboard that, board that my win, which I did have a week where I won uh, our, our league game, but that was before this thing started keeping track. Uh, yeah. But even on this, I haven't won one, but I'm in second overall for total points. Now, that's not good for much. Not not good for anything. But well, I, what I'm it's right... good for, Clark, what it's yeah. good for is telling you that you probably should be playing more cash games. Mm. That's a good idea. That's a good point. Instead of, I don't, instead, oh, of being, yeah. instead of being in a five-man game, you know, we, we, our game generally eight to ten players, you know, for five bucks, maybe do a five-dollar game against five players, you know, five random players. You're, and, big on uh, they might, You're not big on head-to-head. You're big on, like, the, uh, the top three out of nine payout or the top, you know, the top two out of five payout. Those are the, the kind of games that you're interested in. My my philosophy there is if I'm going to have a game where I'm going to win in cash, it's probably going to be at a decent number. Like when I, when my cash game tanks, it's usually like 110 points and shit. When when it goes off, it's generally 160 to 180 points, which puts you in the conversation of a top four to five, cash, you know, in like a 20 man game. What I like to do is let's say you have $30 to bet, you know, you might take. You, you take a dollar, you put it in a uh, 50-50. You, you take a dollar and you put it in uh, a three-man game where, um, you know, you get uh, two-thirds back. You, you, may, you may put $5 in a 10-man game where the top three take the money. Um, so you just look for different variants. I was playing a couple, uh, a couple games where top 10 out of, I think, uh, 40 – would take would take decent money. I mean, there were a couple games where top three out of like twenty got a hundred bucks each or something. I mean, there's there's games with with you know obviously the more people and the less uh, chance spots to win, the more the prize pack goes. I like go playing smaller field tournaments and trying to take those down with a cash lineup, and then uh, playing three three man four man games or five man games with a solid cash lineup. And the the same team, so the cash lineup didn't win our five dollar game this week. Uh, uh, that I was in, I took second place to your farmer buddy, but it did win seventy five dollars overall in other games. So just because your team doesn't, you could have the same team, obviously with different uh, different players, different teams. Your team could be good enough to win other games. It just might not win the one game you're playing it in, which seems to be the case if you're running a high average. 
that probably is an indication, Clark, that you, your team could be winning other places um, and not just sitting in the one game. And I know you do play a couple other uh, games, but, you know, remember, tournament is very high risk. Tournament, it's not normal to bring your money back in tournament. It's normal to lose your money in tournament. Right. For whatever reason, I, 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 get, I, I get lucky. I have a good system. I do my work. I, I tend to bring my money back in tournament while still taking chances at, at winning real money. Um, but, you know, cash is where you, cash is really where you're going to clean up. And, uh, yeah. All right. So, well, yeah. And more cash. I want to, I'll discuss that with you, uh, as, as this week goes on. I I'm definitely interested in that. Uh, there's a little bit in my, in my balance now, there's a little bit more than there used to be. In oh, yeah. balance. So, uh, maybe it's time to, maybe, maybe it's time. Maybe I'll, Maybe I'll try one of those, uh, figure out one of those 150, 50 cent game deals. Give one of those a shot. No, no, you're right. I got to go to cash. I'll do a little more cash. Thanks, man. I appreciate it, Al. You're looking good, by the way. Thank you, uh, Thanks again. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, it certainly made up for my year-long fantasy where everything seems to just be taking a crap. Uh, I do have a little bit of hope in tonight's game. Uh, of course, San Francisco is still undefeated. They win again. They'll be nine and zero, oh, man. That's unbelievable. Yeah, Jimmy really good Garoppolo. team. They're playing Seattle tonight, aren't they? Yeah, right. That's a hell of a matchup. Yeah, it is. Russ Wilson. Russ Wilson in talks, probably the league MVP this year. Tyler Lockett, one of my favorite. The Lockett, the Lockett Wilson combo is one of my favorite stacks in fantasy football. Um, Al, I it, need I need those two to go off for about sixty points each. That's it. You know what? It's not – well, because the San Francisco defense is so good, it is not in the realm of possibility. But Right, 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 yeah. right, right. No, I mean, they normally those two, they're, they have a good shot at really going all out. I think Russ could get you not to – not this week, but against an average NFL defense, not a top five defense. Russ Wilson's good for 30 points, and if, if Lockett's the guy he's going to and it's a close game – the problem with the, the Seattle is that if the Seattle Seahawks are a very traditional coaching staff, if the Seahawks move ahead in the game, they resort to Chris Carson in the run. And uh, they shut Russ Wilson down, they stop the passing game, and they move to a very clean, safe run game, and they kill the clock and they end the game and they take their field goals. Um, when Russ Wilson is challenged, when he's up against a guy um, in a shootout, man, that guy is absolute money. Like, he just... That, those are the games you want to look for. You want to look for, um, if you play, again, if you're playing fantasy, you want to look for the Seattle Seahawks in a game with a point spread where they're either, it's either a close, like a push, or they're uh, a slight underdog. And you're, you're probably going to make some money because uh, Russ Wilson is absolutely the league MVP this year. Fun to watch. I mean, other guys you could, you, you could talk about. Christian McCaffrey couldn't get, a one, couldn't get it done on the one-yard line uh, yesterday. Um, against Green Bay, uh, that was sad to see in the snow. Uh, I wanted I wanted to see old uh, Christian McCaffrey, you know, put it put a, a nail in the coffin oh. of the Packers, but that didn't happen. Packers walked away with that victory with a goal line uh, stop, and uh, yeah, I think those are the only two guys I would consider for MVP. Um, Michael Thomas, but I I don't think he's done enough to really, you know, surpass those guys in the talk. Yeah. So in the league where I, I have my best team uh, and I have a shot out, uh, I'm playing against my brother-in-law today. It's the family league. 
And uh, tonight I've got Carson and Lockett going there. Uh, he has nobody, but right now I'm down 177 to 99. Like, that's just not happening. And here's my no. team, Al. This week uh, I was able to pick up Kyler Murray. He, he got me 34 points. Uh, Deshaun's, on, Deshaun's on the bench with the bye this week. Watson's my quarterback. But then I got Ezekiel Elliott, Chris Carson, Mike Evans, Allen Robinson, Stefan Diggs, Darren Waller, Tyler Lockett, the Bills defense, and Will Lutz. On my bench, uh, Deshaun Watson, David Johnson, uh, and, uh, yeah, I mean, that's a uh, yeah. starting lineup right there. That's a good lineup. Uh, you know, some of your problems there is Diggs is hit or miss, and this week he was a miss. He put up seven points. Um, but then there's those weeks where Diggs puts up the 30 points, and you just don't know when they're going to come. Another I example did, of a I, team with two receivers. I just traded for him. I had Aaron Rodgers hanging out on my bench because some idiot dropped him at the beginning of the season. I was finally, I was finally over it. Like I needed to get something. So I, I, I worked out a trade where I ended up, I ended up getting digs basically for Rodgers, but I wasn't using him. So what's that? Heisted the guy. You should, you should apologize to whoever you stole from. Well, there were a couple other things involved there. Uh, I I don't remember the intricacies (laughs) of it. Clark, my God, man. This week, I ran into Lamar Jackson and his 39 points. Your guy McCaffrey had 25, Dalvin Cook 30, DJ Moore 21, Marquise Brown 18. Hunter Renfro didn't do anything, but Greg Olson at tight end. What the hell? He came He came out. Like, he's still, he's, he, he let us know in fantasy that he's still kicking a little bit. Only 17, but that's not bad coming from him. <laughs> He was uh, he was my second receiver. He was my second tight end of four tight ends I ran this week. And uh, in your 20 teams, he was in 30% of your lineups. Yeah. No, I know it. And I, I thank you for having him there. He, he, he gets a lot of credit for, uh, for, my, for my big uh, fantasy week. And you ended up – you had a good fantasy week, of course, too, because, I mean, you were on the same system as me, right? Well, yeah. I was, <laughs> those were my, my players, yeah. <laughs> yeah, fair. Yeah, I just uh, – Unfortunately, I wanted – so my goal this week was I felt like I was going to have a good week. So I wanted to do the 150 teams in the dollar game as opposed to 150 teams in the 50-cent game. By the time – because I was slow. Like like I said, when we spoke in the morning, it was already like 7, 8 in the morning. Okay. By the time, the time I went to upload my teams, the game was already sold out. So I had to go to the 50-cent game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that'll do it. Uh, guys, join in. Leave a comment if you're watching on Facebook Live. Thank you so much for watching. Uh, give us a call, whether you're listening uh, on Blog Talk, whether you're listening uh, through Facebook Live and watching us there. Give us a call, 760-454-8834. 760-454-8834. Um, Larcher, were you able to watch the uh, – well, what's the first uh, – pay-per-view from all elite wrestling uh since they've started their television show hey yeah i uh i did enjoy it was uh it was a fully loaded was that the name of that or was that just my uh uh baked potato uh order i think that's your baked potato order but great order by the way i mean what do you mean by fully loaded are you talking sour cream you're talking bacon bits what, what do you got on that some chives on there you know the whole the whole nine yards so the, the bacon pot. bits some cheddar, cheddar, yeah, sour yeah. cream, everything you said, yeah, yeah. You can get one of those like uh, at Texas Roadhouse or something. 
Oh yeah, I'm thinking about doing some ramen tonight, or or you know on my uh, my big suspension day tomorrow, maybe I'll uh, I'll have some soup. I'll order up. I'll do the ramen tomorrow. I think. Yeah, I mean that that's the time to do it. You, you got yourself a three day weekend, is what you ended up with. Yeah, yeah, I did. <laughs> um. So what was the name of the pay per view? Fully loaded. I thought it was fully loaded. It's not. Oh dear. Full gear. Full gear. Yeah, full gear. All right. I, I don't like, you know, I'm not fond of the names of these pay-per-views. That's one of, you know, AEW gets a lot of credit for everything they're doing right. It's time to give them a little criticism. Get better at naming the damn uh, pay-per-views. So all out isn't good for you. Double or nothing isn't good for you. Full gear. All in, get it out. All in, all in was fine. All out, I think, is a little confusing now, but I, I get what they were building off of all in. And because uh, now that's going to be a, that's going to be a, a yearly pay-per-view in Chicago that we, we've decided we're probably going to try to go to every year until we're like 80 and we can't we can't walk anymore. Um, well, Tony Khan just announced that uh, they're going to be the big four is what they're going to have four four big quarterly pay-per-views. And so it's full gear. It's it's all out and it's double or nothing. The one in Vegas. Um, so there's going to be one more. That'll be okay. there. That'll be their big ones, and I think those are going to be the ones that they charge the forty nine ninety nine on BR Live uh, for those. But then their monthly pay per views that aren't part of the big four, I think you can just watch them for free. Is what it's looking like. I, I don't. I don't know if that's going to be the case. I think they, they may charge a lesser amount, but I, I think they're still going to charge. You may, you may be right. I mean, you're coming from some information I, I don't have in front of me, but um, no, no, no. You, you. You could be right there as well, partner. What do you think? What do you think? Do you think there's any benefit, or do you think it's a problem if they were just to run four pay-per-views in the same locations every year? I like that. I, I, I mean, me too. I think there's something to. Well, I mean, we're going on a much bigger scale, of course, with WrestleMania, but there's something to moving that around because all of the cities want it, and they're going to give you different kinds of breaks and stuff. But right now, you know, they don't obviously don't have anything like that. I think keep doing that, especially if you're in the markets where it it's hitting on all cylinders. I mean, Chicago, they all talk about it. It's not just us being local here, but they all talk about how they love this as a pro wrestling market. I yeah, I see them, I see them sticking with that, and I like I like that plan completely. Yeah, it's easy for us to say we like it because we have one of the cities. But, um, yeah, I, I, you know, the one in Vegas, I could see traveling to Vegas to see a show. Uh, it, it's not my favorite city. You know, maybe they could trade out Vegas for Nashville. But, you know. I might, uh, oh, that's a good call. I might have to trade out uh, Vegas and Chicago if we made that trip. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if I could pull yeah. off both. Well, well one, all you're doing is paying a ticket. You know, one of them is all you're buying is the ticket, but the yeah, other no, one, you know, travel cost. Yeah, that's a really good point. Absolutely. Uh, but we're going to be going back out there to the to the Sears Center uh, the, the night before Thanksgiving for AEW Dynamite, uh, the, the the television show, Watch, watching it recorded live. Well, I'm, right. I'm, plan, I'm planning on bringing a, a tub of mashed potatoes uh, from Popeye's and throwing it at MJF. Uh-oh. Why is that? Well, you saw he got hit with the somebody hit him with the coke. Uh, somebody hit him with the coke uh, 
cup. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to have mashed potatoes. Yeah, no, I think that's a good idea. Guys, jump in on the line, 760-454-8834, 760-454-8834. We appreciate you holding there. If you have been holding, thank you. Uh, we'll, we'll get to the phone line as soon as any of that's there. But I did see him get hit with that, Al. Uh, it, I don't know. I, I I thought the pay-per-view was enjoyable. I thought the entire thing, I had a I had a fun time watching uh, pretty much everything. Uh Right down from the the opening match of the uh, of the main show, of course I'm not gonna I'm not gonna talk about um, the pre-show. I think it was Dr. Britt Baker or something like that was there on the pre-show. But as you've as you and I have discussed, we don't we don't really do pre-shows here. Um, but it was uh, Santana and Ortiz against the Young Bucks. Yeah, uh, yeah. great match, great way to start the show. The Young Bucks are. You know, as advertised, so they say they're the greatest tag team in the world. And um, if you like their style of wrestling, which I, I happen to enjoy, uh, great match. Santana and Ortiz are fun. Ortiz is very animated. He, he's like he's like a human cartoon. Like you just can't stop staring at him. And uh, is, is he, he the fellow that went full that went full dolphin on the super kick? Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's so Ortiz. <laughs> He he oversells things at times, and that would be a case there. But it, you know, it's comical. Uh, I know you're not that big of a fan of of overselling and and what have you, but that that one was kind of fun. I couldn't I couldn't not laugh at it. I enjoyed it. When I saw it live, I laughed. I did. I was like, oh man, that's it's kind of funny. Yeah. I'm not fond of the name Proud and Powerful. That's kind of a P and P for a yeah. tag team name. What are you gonna yeah. do? I don't know. I didn't even know that was their name until I just read it on on the, on the list. I thought they were Santana and Ortiz. Um, when I'm playing when I'm playing my booking game, you know, and I'm putting together tag teams, it's hard naming tag teams. I'm just gonna go out and say it. So, you know, oh. proud. Of, I have a team that's basically called Pr- Proud and Powerful too. So I can't like I can't I give them like too much. Like, like everything you think of is gonna be cliche. Right. You know? Exactly. Like, oh, they, everybody thinks that, but they did a 21 minute match. We're we're uh, proud and powerful. Went over the Young Bucks. Um, the Young Bucks uh, have been losing matches here in AEW, and they're supposed Hot. to be the best tag team in the world. I, I see a lot of the internet crowd, Al, with issue on this. Um, if if you're the best in the world, why why are you losing matches here? What's your take on it? Yeah, it's interesting, and we'll we'll get into it more as as we go through the show oh, as, as it progresses. About it. Very similar with that. I, I agree completely. Um, I like the rock and roll express stuff. Not bad for, uh, for a fella of his age. That was fun. So the rock and roll express, not a team I I ever enjoyed. I I hated the rock and roll express because I wasn't, uh, they were a little bit before my era as a wrestling fan and they were never WWF guys. And uh, so I, I didn't, I didn't know a lot about them. And I would see the pictures, and the one guy's got the cross eye, and the other guy's got a mullet, and they, they just, they never appear, appealed to me in any way. And in the WWF in like the mid '90s, Jim Cornette, who I, I can't stand, brought uh, brought the Rock and Roll Express in as a tag team in the WWF with the like the NWA titles, claiming they're the, you know, the real wrestling and, and tradition, and they were so damn boring. That like I've always hated the Rock and Roll Express, but I you know they 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 they've been really fun in AEW. The one guy's like sixty seven years old, 
they were at ringside. You got the guy with the cross eye. You got the guy with the mullet. And um, they get involved. You know, they, they took a beating a couple of weeks ago um, by Proud and Powerful. Uh, when they introduced the new tag team belt. Yeah, the guy with the cross eye doesn't do much, but the 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 mullet guy got put through a um, you know a, 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 a obviously a stunt bump, but he got power bombed through like a table area, and uh, so th- this time he comes in the ring and the old guy does he does a Canadian destroyer, which is a, a very aggressive and dangerous move where you basically flip a guy 360 degrees. Um, it's like a it's like a flipping power bomb. He pulls that move off out of nowhere, and uh, I mean the other guy. I think it was Santana, um, pretty much, you know, it's all on the actual guy who's taking it to do the move. The other guy's just kind of there for the ride. But, man, it looked good. It looked tight. And then he yep. did a diving, he did a jumping dive through the middle rope, Big E style, or basically every wrestler style. Um, it, it did a dive out of the ring. So, 67 years old, the guy was out there having fun. And uh, I, I really enjoyed the, the uh, as a guy who wasn't even a fan of theirs, I really enjoyed seeing the, Ricky, Ricky Morton and uh, what, Bobby Eaton is that is that the Rock and Roll Express? Yeah, that sounds right. Bobby Eaton, yeah. But it it was the other guy who did the the flip, right? The other guy, Morton. Robert Gibson and uh, Ricky Morton, yeah. And I think yeah, I think Ricky. Yeah, Ricky Morton is the guy with the uh, uh, the mullet, yeah. and then uh, Robert Gibson's the guy with the uh, cross side. He does like. It, it's a, it's a straight up cross eye. It's it's like oh, uh, dude, I, did you watch Sean? the pay per view? Yeah, it's, it's like, I mean it is. It's it's Shawn Michaels on steroids. Yeah, that's awesome. That's great. Um, yeah, I I had fun with that match. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, they they are a good tag team. If if you like tag team wrestling in a way that other promotions aren't doing as much these days. Um, I mean, tag team wrestling, like where you're doing moves in unison, like one guy. Yeah. I mean, it, it's good. It's fun. It's enjoyable to watch. Uh, and I'll be watching again this Wednesday night at 7 PM. Listen to me. I, I sound like I have a, a royalty check coming in from them, which I don't, I don't. You should. I mean, you love these guys. So the Rock and Roll Express uh, was formed, Ricky Morton, Robert Anderson, 1983 in Memphis by head booker Jerry Lawler. They originally appeared together as an alternative to the popular team, the Fabulous Ones, Kevin McKern and Stan Lane, where, when they could not wrestle in certain towns. The gimmick of the Rock and Roll Express was a couple of high-flying wrestlers who loved glam metal music. As if it was a popular genre of music at the time, 1983 and 84, the teams participated in a series of matches against the Galaxians, the Bruiser Brothers of Pork Chop Cash and uh, Troy Graham, and the teams of Lenny Poffo and Randy Savage, the Poffo Brothers. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Then, then they famously uh, feuded uh, with the Midnight Express. That was their big rivals, uh, and they uh, became uh, legends in the NWA. So a little history on the Rock and Roll Express there. So, uh, yeah, that was 21 minutes uh, that Proud and Powerful won that match. And then you had uh, the Bastard Pack, uh, which WWE fans would know as Neville. Uh, I love that. What's that? I love the Bastard. It's one of my favorite wrestling nicknames ever. Yeah, it's, it it works. It, it really does. I never thought that I would that be. And I believe. Are, are they pronouncing it Pack or are they pronouncing it Pack? 
I've, I've, I've heard it coming both ways. One announcer will say, Pac, the bastard Pac, is how he announces it. But then you hear JR go, Dan, Pac. Uh, JR is terrible, by the way. Uh, he absolutely has. Through the whole show. You and, all of your, you and all of your internet friends are all bitching about him. Oh, really? Everybody. I'm not alone on that? No, not at all. Oh, not God. I got to hop on Twitter and type in JR then because I want to get in you, on this. All of you millennials are bitching about the old guy who who doesn't know what's happening out there. Uh, he he on his uh, on his podcast, the Grilling Jr. He was fired up and hot and pissed at people this week for uh, you know how he calls uh, Jungle Boy Jack Perry. You yeah, know, and yeah. Everybody's up in arms because it's not just Jungle Boy, which you and I caught early. Like it was just like weird that he's the only one who calls him the Jack Perry. Like what what is he doing? Right. Um, and he's just like, like throughout the episode, the entire episode, he, he like brought it back up. He's like, oh, that, yeah, you Jack, Jungle Boy, Jack Perry. What do you think? What, who do you, what, what do you want me to do? You, you don't even understand. I'm trying to get, what's he going to be when he's 36, 37? Is he still going to be Jungle Boy? Like you got to give well, him the, something to set him up for the future. The, the young bucks are like, uh, you know, 35 years old and they're still the young bucks. They're not really young anymore, but anyways, right. um, yeah, the only times I enjoy JR is when he gets really old man grumpy and starts bitching about like the rules or not understanding the rules of what's going on. That's my favorite. Well, I, got, they, I don't understand. What, what, are they, what is happening here? Well, because they're pretty lenient, AEW is, on rules. Uh, they are. Right. I mean, in the, in, in, the, uh, in the championship match, you had belts being used, you know, and you're not getting disqualified for it, which... You know, I, it's interesting. It's looser than I thought it would be. Um, not that I definitely have an issue with the referee refereeing being loose. I don't know. It, it's interesting. I thought they would go the other route, knowing that the WWE product is very loose when it comes to the rules. Yeah. Uh, but they had a good match. Hangman. Yeah. And, and this was the match that you were supposed to see at Double or Nothing. Yeah, this wasn't... Uh... This wasn't, it wasn't a great match, uh, per se, but it was a good match. It filled the time. Um, and Adam Page surprisingly won. I, you know, I would have thought Pac would have gotten the win here because they've been building him up as a pretty nasty fella. And, uh, you know, he got the big win over Kenny Omega at the show we went to. And, uh, yeah, Adam Page recovering. I guess he, he had to give him a win coming off the loss of uh, with Chris Jericho on the title. But, um yeah, very interesting. Both those guys needed a win, and the win went to Adam Page. So we'll see where they go from here with that. Yeah, that, that was that was the bastard uh, Pac's uh, first loss, right? I mean, like you said, yeah, the Omega. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, uh, and then uh, Sean Spears there with Tully Blanchard. Sean Spears, of course, is the ten guy from WWE or, or the chairman he goes by now, and he went against Joey Janela. Joey yeah, Janela, I, I think Janela is pretty good. Yeah, he's fun. He, he's a, a young kid known for more of a hardcore style wrestler, uh, 30 years old out of uh, New Jersey. Uh, he's a small guy, 5'8", but he, he's, he's very good at He's a high risk taker, and, uh, you know, he does some dangerous stuff in the ring. Uh, but he, he's, he's decent with his fundamentals, and um, he's obviously able to hang with Pac. 
or I'm I'm sorry with uh with, with Sean Spears, who's a very basic wrestler himself. Uh, so yeah, it was it was good. Nothing exciting, but it was good. Yeah, no, not at all. And uh, SoCal Uncensored, they are the uh, the champions. Uh, they just won what at the last pay per view? Uh, television. They won the tag team tournament. Yeah, the first week of television, right? Well, like, no, they won the title like a week ago. Okay. The but tournament the started. The television had a, t- a tag team tournament that kicked off with the first show. Uh, remember, that? that's where the, uh, the private party ended up beating uh, the Young Bucks in a surprising match. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Absolutely. But um, they uh, they defeated the Lucha Brothers and uh, and Private Party. And uh, I tell you, those Lucha Brothers are over. Yeah, man. Everybody loves them a lot. Yeah. And you and I actually saw Pentagon Jr. about three, four years ago down uh, in Cicero. In they the told me to move. What's that? Told me to move. Oh, I was standing did. right next to you. Hey, move, man. That's right. We we had to move, and he tried to tell us to move in Spanish, and we're like, I don't understand you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, move. <laughs> move, man, move. <laughs> yeah, he So that was cool. I remember like telling you he was a big deal when when we saw him, and uh, you know, it, but you're in Cicero and it's a small gymnasium in a in a, in a uh, lucha show, and it didn't feel like a he didn't feel like a big deal. He had a star presence to him, but it wasn't like oh my god we're seeing something special. But it turns out we saw something special up close. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Now Christopher Daniels uh, made his first appearance again. Yeah. From he came out, right? He came out wearing the uh, Pentagon Junior mask. Uh, after the match, uh, Pentagon Junior, the lights went out and the lights turned on. And Pentagon Junior, uh, you know, he's a lucha wrestler, so he wears a mask. He also wears a uh, black face paint under the mask. You know, bad badass looking wrestler. And uh, yeah, so he he Cerro uh, Miedo, and uh, you know he he did his thing and he started doing the mirror thing. You know, like like we do in uh, improv class with the, the other version of uh, Pentagon Junior. They were calling Pre- Pentagon Trace, and it was obviously Christopher Daniels who, uh, you know, went ahead and uh, beat on Pentagon Junior after the match. So it looks like we're going to get a uh, Lucha Brothers versus uh, SoCal Uncensored as a, a rivalry coming up over the next couple of weeks or months. Yeah, uh, in in using the belt there. I mean, I can see the Lucha Brothers getting that belt pretty soon. Private party, those guys are pretty good in the ring as well. A lot of yeah, fun a lot stuff. of fun. Yeah, a lot of fun stuff. Now, Al, a lot of people are are saying that AEW has too many high spots, too many flippy floppies. Uh, traditionally, that's not my style of wrestling. However, I have found myself enjoying watching. Like, you know, we saw Young Bucks versus Lucha Brothers live. I thought they would uh, fantastic match at, at all out. Yeah. Um, I, I enjoy watching those stunts. How do you feel about it? Is, is there too much of it in AEW right no. now, or, or is it just the right amount? I, I think it's the right amount. I, uh, you know, you could. I think you could make the argument there's maybe too much blood in AEW, which I, I'm sure we'll get to in a minute. But um, I, I have no problem with flippy flop wrestling. I think it's fun. I think it's good. I think it brings in a different audience. I, I think it's uh, it's an evolution of the sport. You know. It can't. It can't get too much. 
you know, wrestling's all about pacing, and if every match is that, you're going to bore of it pretty quick. You know, it's like bluegrass. You know, I, I love I love a good bluegrass song. I can listen, I can go to a bluegrass concert, but if you're inviting me to a bluegrass festival, I'm probably going to pass. Okay. Would you come for one show of the bluegrass festival then? Like, would you see, like, the best of the best? Would you come for that night's main event? If I didn't have to pay for the full festival uh, pricing and it was just like, uh, you know, the price I'd pay for a normal bluegrass show, which I wouldn't put at a premium, yeah, I, th- I think I would, yeah. Like a one-day pass for it instead of paying yeah, for like a one-day one one day day. pass would do. And I might show up late. Like, you know, if, if, it's, if the festivities started at noon and the headliner started at, say, 7, I might come about 4 or 5 o'clock just to kind of see what's going on, you know, catch maybe. Who else else is playing? Like, it's like, oh, it's free to go see them. I might show up by three, but I'm probably not showing up until 530 or six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's just too much bluegrass. The the bluegrass, it's too much of a good thing, but in small moderation. You know, it's like ice cream, man. I love ice cream, but if I ate a tub of ice cream every meal, it would just be ice cream, you know, it would just be gross. I had an idea we might get to ice cream sooner or later on this show. Um, the, uh, the next match was the women's AW women's, uh, championship. Rio defeated Emmy Sakura in 13 minutes. Nope. Uh, yeah. 13 minutes, 20 seconds is how long that one went. Um, I gotta say, man, I do not, I don't get this Emmy Sakura. She, so if you don't, if you're not watching, you don't know who she is. She's, she's an older woman. She's probably, I think I'll just look at her age. She's. She's 43 years old, okay? And she's like the head trainer in Japan. You know, and they make that point. They say it over and over. You know, she trained Riho, who started training when she was like 13. So she's 22 now. (laughs) So, I mean, this has been her teacher for, you know, 15, for 10 years at least. And um, this lady, she's a a shorter, stocky lady. You know, I, I'm not saying she's in bad shape or anything, but she she has a she has a build to her that's interesting. She comes yeah. to the ring dressed like Freddie Mercury with a mustache. I mean, she wears a mustache to the ring, which she's an Asian lady. So with the mustache, I mean, she, it looks more like I don't know, like 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 a Bond villain than than, she's than like, Freddie. She's a Freddie Mercury cosplay out there. Come on, she's, she's Freddie. She, Come on, it's not like Jim Ross. Come on, uh, she is. She's in. That's a good way to put it. She's in Freddie Mercury cosplay, and uh, she's a stocky little Asian lady. And then she she's a hero, but yet she she does the she does the boom boom clap boom boom clap. You know, and the crowd gets into it because when somebody starts doing that, you can't not do it. And she yells weird things, and I can't. Like the gimmick is so horrible. Like, uh, nobody understands what the hell's going on with her, what the story she's telling. Like, it's just a bad gimmick. And that's one of the things I got to say with AEW, man. They they need to start outside, of, like, the best characters they've created have been guys who came from other federations who are better. You know, Cody. Cody's very defined as a dude who came from WWE as a mid-carder, never got his shot. Now he's he he's doing it, and he's showing the world why he's the greatest. Sean Spears, you know, he was forced to be the perfect 10, 
and now he's showing his true colors. Dean Ambrose, now he's John Moxley, the hardcore legend that he wanted to be but couldn't be because of the company he worked for. Pac, same thing. It's all the same story of guys. And then you got you got indie wrestlers who are using their gimmicks from the indies, like Emi uh, Sakura. Uh, she's bringing this in, and this, this gimmick may be wonderful in Japan, but it doesn't work in the WWE, in the, or I'm sorry, in AEW in America. It's confusing, and it's like she's somebody they should have really repackaged. I mean, honest to God, like I want to see AEW start repackaging some people with their own flavor, and I don't think they've done that outside of the guys who are simply bitter, who are telling the story of bitter ex employees. I mean, that even. Is- that's interesting to me that you uh, that that's your opinion on on her uh being that you know you you are a fan of watching uh Japanese wrestling with the NJPW uh and and you've been over there i i thought that maybe you'd you'd kind of get it a bit and maybe maybe you do get that it works there but what what you're telling me is that that shit's not flying here it's not it's not i mean i mean do you agree or uh, what the yeah. fuck is that do you agree or you I don't get it. I guess my thought has just been, oh, that's probably cool shit in Japan. So yeah, I don't even know. I don't even know that it's cool shit in Japan. Like, okay, it, right. she's playing. She's she's doing Freddie Mercury cosplay in 2019. You know that that, that was a band in the 70s. And I know they just had a movie. Yeah, you got to hear from me here, Al. Like, I want to give. Uh, I'm giving AEW a lot of the benefit of the doubt to start out with. I mean. They've been doing a television show for a month now, you know, they're in the infancy of, of the entire league that they are running. Like it's hard to just build characters. That's right. Right now, SCU is SCU from the Indies. I mean, the young bucks are the, everybody is somebody from somewhere else. Do you know what I mean? Like they are now defining who they are in AEW. And with all of these people coming together, somebody's new to someone like to me, SCU was new to me. I sure I'd seen them at all, all in, you know, but still fairly new to me. I mean, uh, Santana and Ortiz. I didn't I watch agree. Them, I didn't see but, these guys. To me, to me, it's kind of like when AJ Styles came into WWE and I hadn't been watching much of him at all. It's like I knew who, that AJ Styles was a big deal in other places. Who is he here? And that's kind of right. my excitement about all of this. It, but he came out to cool music. He came out with a look where you, you, you paid attention to who he was. You know, I'm not saying you, you, you're right. They don't have a lot of time or had a lot of opportunity to, to character develop. But all you have to do with her is, is just dress her different. You know, go yeah. just be like, hey, you know, I don't think the Freddie Mercury thing's working. You know, we're going to paint you as the greatest trainer to come out of Japan. You're basically Stu Hart. You know, a younger version of Stu Hart. Imagine if WWE had Stu Hart come out in the day as, the, you know, the great trainer from Canada and who would definitely be the world champion right now, but he's, you know, he's older. He's 43 years old, you know, or, or let's say 53 because male wrestlers uh, uh, last a little longer than female wrestlers with age. So, you know, a 43-year-old female wrestler is an old, it's, it's an old wrestler and uh, she's this great trainer. Just paint her as that. Like, I think there'd be a lot more mystique. And I'd be more interested in the matches if I wasn't looking at this comic, you know, this comic book character. And, you know, Riho is very Japanese in her character and her presentation. I mean, it's, she, you know, she, she's like uh, the princess in uh, uh, Mario Brothers. 
you know, which uh, obviously was a game that was written in Japan. Like it, it, she's very much the princess, Princess yeah. Peach, um, and and it, it works for her. And you know, it, culturally, I think uh, you know it's getting over. But the whole the whole the, the queen thing, it's just weird. It's just weird. Her move set is weird. And you know, I'm looking at a picture of her on her Wikipedia of her without the whole queen getup, and she looks like a badass. Like she, she's, you know. Right. I don't know why she's not dressed like that. Like she's wearing black there. Yeah. 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 She, she looks. It looks good. It looks like all right. That woman looks scary. She could do some damage. <laughs> but anyways, yeah. The women division, the female division. I hate when Jim Ross does that. Females, the female, the the women's division. Um, and AEW is getting a lot of criticism as being weak, and I, I'm kind of agreeing. You know, obviously they're getting Awesome Kong going. They're showing those vignettes with Brandy. Uh, Brandy, Cody's wife, is her manager, and uh, I think that's going to be a really good pairing. I think that's going to be fun to watch. So I think I, I think we're I think we're going to get some Awesome Kong this week, and a little more Awesome Kong coming up here. Uh, if you don't know who she is, she was the welfare queen. If you watch the uh, television show. Uh, 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 glow on Netflix. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, the, the match after that, then that followed the women's world championship, was the last official match of the night. Al, the last match that counted. Uh, it was a single match for the AEW World Championship. A lot of people felt. A lot of people felt this should have been the last uh, match of the night. There you go. Uh, it, it well, it was uh, for all for AEW purposes. Was the last right. match of the night. Uh, the champion Chris Jericho uh, was defending against Cody. Cody Rhodes, of course. Uh, Jericho had Jake Hager in his corner, and uh, Cody had MJF in his corner. Uh, this match, Al, I I enjoyed it. I think I think they're doing a really great job with storytelling. Of course, going into this, the stipulation that Cody had put in was that if he did not win the AEW World Championship against Chris Jericho at full gear, that he would never challenge for that championship again. Right. He felt, he came out and he felt like, because he's an executive in the company, that people are going to say he's only getting title shots because he's an executive, and that he sees that, and if he doesn't capture the title tonight, he would no longer challenge for the title. Great story. And uh, he comes out with his best friend, MJF. Now, Cody is beloved. He's, he's a hero. He's a uh, baby face in the company. Everybody wants him to win this match and take the title off the evil, uh, villainous uh, Chris Jericho, who's out there with Jake Hager, who was uh, also in WWE at one time as, uh, uh, what was his name there? Uh, Swagger. Yeah, Jack. Jack Swagger. You know, he's an MMA guy. He's a big dude. Um, in a company with smaller guys, so he stands out as just a monster. Uh, he's he's over there in Jericho's corner, part of the inner circle, Jericho's stable. Meanwhile, MJF is with Cody, and MJF <clears throat> is the most hated wrestler in, uh, in maybe in wrestling. He's he's just a natural heel. You know, he he was of course the guy who was on uh, Rosie O'Donnell when he was a kid, and he told Rosie he was going to be a wrestler when he was like eight years old, and now he here he is, and. Um, he just his gimmick is he just insults the fans and he's better than everybody, and uh, like he took a picture I think of a guy with a guy in a wheelchair and he's like he was offended that the guy didn't stand up and or right. he said something like well at least I got legs or something like he makes very 
insensitive comments, and he trash talks everybody. But he got he's Cody's best friend, so he's out there, and the crowd is not a fan of his. And the reason he's out there is because I guess they're, what they're going to do in championship matches in AEW is you're allowed to have somebody in your ring. You're allowed to have somebody in your corner. You, you get a corner person. And right. they've also set up that there's a, a panel of judges at ringside that uh, if the match were to go to, there's an hour time limit in world title matches. If it were to go the full hour and the time limit would be called, it would come down to judges' decision, like in a lot of sports. So you have a panel out there, which I think is great. It wasn't used it wasn't used this night. It wasn't used it to, to solve this show. But I think it's setting up for something in the future, and uh, which is great. Like, that's, that's some of the stuff they're doing right. It's just, like, very simple storytelling, setting up things that could eventually become something else. Now, one of the judges was Dean Malenko, who famously had a very long, bitter feud with Chris Jericho in WCW, you know, in the 90s. So, like, there's a little bit of backstory. They had KG Muda out there, the great Muda, um, as one of the judges. And uh, was it Arn Anderson was the other judge? I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah, I missed it. So you, you have the three judges at ringside who, who are there just in case. You have, you have the corner guys in both corners, MJF. And then you have this match of Chris Jericho and Cody. And, again, Cody's brother, Dustin, or Goldust, should have been his corner guy. But... <clears throat> Chris Jericho and his gang, of the uh, inner circle, jumped Cody or uh, ch- jumped Dustin and uh, broke his arm. So he wasn't able to be the corner guy. So Cody's best friend MJF out there. Um, so these two wrestle. Um, there's a point where things get out of hand and the referee ends up throwing Jake Hagar to the back. She she uh, removes him from, from ringside because he was getting involved. So now you just have MJF and Cody out there. And uh, Jericho controlling most of the match. Uh, pretty rough match. Cody takes a nasty spill to the outside, which I think is a work, where his face gets all bloodied. It looked like he bladed there, but <clears throat> some are saying that, that it wasn't. And maybe he God damn it, will that please stop? Um, maybe he was concussed. I don't, I don't hear anything. He, it's uh, making me crazy. He bladed. He, he yeah. absolutely did. Yeah, I, I agree. I saw somebody... With with a tweet or, or a comment somewhere, like they took a picture from where they were sitting, not of the actual blade, but Aubrey, the the referee handed him something just beforehand. Like it was a blade. I think maybe he might have went a little harder than he planned, or or maybe maybe the doctor coming in was just part of the work. I don't know. Right. It, it, it was something. Like it, it was a blade. I absolutely. I know people are saying that, but people are like, oh, they got to get rid of the ramp now because he hurt himself on it. No. No, no, no. They're they're working you in a lot of places, and and we're gonna get to some of that here shortly as well, Al. I don't know, man. I'm with you on that. I I thought the uh, I thought a lot of that leading up to this point was was a lot of fun. Um, Hager MJF involved, um, a good match. You know, Cody's never been accused of being the greatest technical wrestler out there, but I think he always tells a great story. And I think Jericho is the master of of storytelling out there, as yeah. far as being as far as being a heel in all of it. Um, how did it go? Uh, the, the final sequence there. I know that he reversed. Uh, Cody was going for like a, a flip off of the ropes, 
Jericho reversed that into the Lion Tamer, which a lot of you would know is the walls of Jericho in WWE. Um, Cody was able to reach the ropes, but then Jericho was able to throw the Lion Tamer on one more time. He buckled it down, and that's when... uh, well, okay, so he has him in the lion tamer, and it, 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 he has it at a very weird angle where uh, Cody's neck is totally contorted. And it, it, it's, it's in a position where Cody can, or where Jericho can stomp on his head. So not only is it in a weird angle, he's also stomping on his head as Cody's stuck in this hold, and there, it looks like there's no way for him to get out of it. Um, it looks pretty grim. So suddenly uh, MJF, throws in the towel in the corner. He, he throws in the white towel, and, he, and the referee goes, are you sure? He goes, yes. Call for the bell, matches over. Jericho wins by, uh, by uh, referee stoppage due to a... Uh, um, right. So Jericho, Jericho stays... And by the way, while we're, we're on the subject there... This Justin Roberts, the, the, the John, the way he pronounces the John Moxley uh, introduction makes me absolutely crazy. I hate it. Um, watch uh, Being the Elite, the episode that came out today. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, just, yeah. It'll probably piss you off more, actually, but yes. Okay, beautiful. All right, good. Uh, so, yeah, so John Moxley. Um you don't you don't buy have a chance to have a clip of that, do you? Uh I, I don't have the intro. No, I don't. Ugh. So okay, so now the match is over and uh you know, Cody's like, you know, why did you do that? Like, you know, clearly upset. Even though I would say that uh MJF had a case. Like it, it looked like Cody was screwed. Like there was no way he was gonna get out of it. It wasn't one of those once Jericho moved it a little bit and then really started wrenching down on him, it, it looked interesting. MJF did have a point. Yeah. Um, so it, it looked like, you know, it was also smart because that makes it a clean win for Jericho. It doesn't cheapen his win here. Um, but anyway, so MJF is in the ring and he's begging, he's begging Cody, like, man, I'm sorry, you know, I'm, you know, and the crowd is is basically chanting, like, you know, you beat the shit out of him because they don't like him. So I think they he's made it. You fucked up was the chant going on at the time. It was you fucked up was the chant, and then of course he talked to Cody. Then Cody went up and grabbed him to kind of give him a hug, was it? Well, he kind of he so MJF was on his knees and he kind of picked him up like, come on, man, get off your knees, like it's it's all right, kind of like like dude, it's it, it, I get it, you know, I'm pissed, but you know, it, it, you didn't come from a bad place, and then uh, yeah, so then they kind I think they might have hugged and like they were like, okay, we're all cool, and then out of nowhere, MJF. Uh, should, he have, uh, should he have waited a little longer? I don't know. We'll never know. MJF saying I'm sorry. Oh, what the hell? You little bastard. What'd you do that for? <laughs> hey, you little bastard. <laughs> I didn't mind that call, but that is when the kick to the balls happened. 
MJF kicked Cody, of course, the heel turn. Well, he's already heel, but the turn. He yeah. turned on his friend. We've been waiting for this, right? Yeah, I mean, everyone saw it coming. Um, but, the way, you know, and that's not always a bad thing in storytelling. Just because you know something's going to happen doesn't necessarily mean, it, you know, it's a bad a bad uh, uh, way of storytelling. So, yeah, he finally did it, and, you know, the crowd went ape, and, uh, you know, as he's walking to a back, uh, somebody throws a soda at him, just soaks him, and instead of getting mad about it, he, he just kind of smirks like, yep, you hate me that much. I'm doing my job, yeah. and it was perfect. It was awesome. I, I believe was- it was a plant. I believe it was totally planted, but that makes it even better that they took the time to think that through to have a fan throw a drink. But, uh, yeah, it, a re- really good match. You could see a security guard going over there um, to to the fan, but I I think it might, that might be part of the work. I really do. I think it, it I was one. Of, it was one of those security guys that were standing by us at the show when we went and we were up close. You know, it was the guy who who stands at when private party comes out. Like it's it's part of the AEW staff. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. It wasn't building security. So, do you see any way that Cody can now, since it was tainted like this, does this mean that at some point Cody can challenge for that again and it would be legit? Or do you think that ruins all credibility of AEW if he ever challenges for it again? No, this is, this is, this is great storytelling. Now you have Cody, who can, he can never challenge for the title again. And now he has to deal with his best friend who screwed him over and took away his chance of ever being champion again. So now you've got, <clears throat> you got a few months of telling that story of, of him battling MJF. And then after that's over with, you've got a couple of months of Cody doing whatever Cody's doing, his next feud. And then, you know, a year from now, you have some reason where the world champion does something wrong to Cody, something so egregious that the fans absolutely insist that Cody gets a title shot, that Cody, you know, um, goes ahead and, and maybe the board approves it or something, and now now you have that story. But the fans are going to be the ones who are going to dictate when, to- Kobe gets, when Cody gets the title shot. So they, they can't say that, you know, oh, the guy's booking himself into uh, the championship position. No, they're building him as this, this hero. We're going to go on this journey of, of this hero who, who – can't become champion, uh, but yet is is so good and so dignified and so righteous in everything he does that eventually the fans are going to be the ones who go give this guy a title shot. We want to see him with the title. And that's brilliant. I mean, that's how you do it right. And you, you remove any of that other stuff, any of that negative criticism. And uh, yeah, that's good. It's a longer story, and now we don't have to worry about Cody, you know, going for the title, or why isn't Cody going for the title um, anymore for for a while, for a couple months or a year. And you know, I'm interested, I'm interested to see on the other side where they're going. Where, where does Chris Jericho go from here? Who who is his next defense against? Who is that guy? Yeah, I would have guessed. I would have guessed Pac, but Pac's a bad guy. You might get a, you might find a reason to do another uh, Adam Page uh, Jericho, but I don't see that as a big selling point. I think the guy is probably John Moxley, but they're both heels. But maybe they don't care about that. Yeah, but Moxley's kind of the—he's not a complete heel. 
Right. You know what I mean? Like he, he gets he gets the baby face pop from the crowd. He still does. Yeah. Uh, which I guess that'll bring us into uh, AEW had finished for the night. Then they did the turning out the lights thing. Your your boy Justin Roberts, which I don't think they ever turned the lights all the way off. Like he said they were going to. He said we're going to turn them off. I didn't see him go off. Not that it matters. Because that, you know, that's just gimmick and what have you. But uh yeah, the unsanctioned match, anything can happen. Anything at all, Al. John Moxley versus Kenny Omega. And Kenny Omega not getting a ton of wins either. And here's the here's the conversation about being the elite. We we talked about the Young Bucks earlier. Hold on, hold on, there it is. Hold on. What's that? What were you saying? Al, are you there? Uh, never mind. Yeah, I was playing the John Moxley thing, the introduction. When you were talking all through it. Yeah, we didn't hear any of it. Okay, well. Yeah, I don't know. What was that? No, go ahead, whatever. Oh, yeah. Um... Oh, the Gian, Gian, is that what he says? I, I can't even do it. That's why I was going to play it, because yeah, the, the pronunciation of it is just, it's stupid. Huh, interesting. But anyways, yeah, so Jericho, uh, uh, John Moxley, Kenny Omega. Yeah, that's correct. They they were They were in a match there. Um. Of course, I'm, I'm trying to find it now. Absolutely. All right. Well, never mind. So, so this is an unsanctioned match, so anything goes. John Moxley, for many years, wanted to be a hardcore wrestler. He even spoke on a pod. He even spoke on a podcast about uh, uh, wanting to fight when he when he wrestled uh, Brock Lesnar. He wanted it to be a hardcore match, and he wanted to go all out with like you know. Spikes and you know chains and chainsaws and you know uh, just to, to have this crazy hardcore match with Brock Lesnar that Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman said yeah no we're not doing that you're just going to take a bunch of back fives a couple suplexes and Brock's going to win and that's it and uh, right. he he when he went to AEW he said you know what I wasn't going to sign with WWE because my soul was lost there I was going to sign. You know, I was going to join a hardcore federation. Like, I was going to go work the indies and just do hardcore wrestling. That's what he wants. That's what he loves. So this is his real house. This is what he does. He's a deathmatch guy. <laughs> and Kenny Omega's always building his, his uh, legacy. You know, he wants, he wants to be known as the greatest wrestler of all time. And uh, uh, having a, a, a great, crazy, hardcore match on his record... Um, I think he definitely wants to do so. He's he's willing to go all out in this. John Moxley's willing to go all out in this. Now most hardcore matches go fourteen, fifteen minutes because you know they're violent and there's a lot of quick hard violence and you want to get it over with and you know the crowd leave them stunned. This was the longest match of the night at thirty eight minutes and forty five seconds, um, and it was just a bloodbath. It was I mean they pulled out mattresses with uh, spikes on it. Razors, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we had we had chairs, garbage cans, a bed with barbed wire, a broom with barbed wire, tables, mouse trap on plywood, 
gold chains. Where did he get that from? Did he go to Hercules Hernandez to get that one? Glass Probably. shards, the glass table, as they told us. Barbed wire bed, that bed that you just mentioned, that matrix. Um, you know, the the a lot of that could have been. I don't know. We'll get into that, I guess. And then, of course, they pulled up the mat at the end of it. There was so much going on. What, what did you think? Sorry, I had a list. I, I wrote all of those things down. So I had to- no, that was good because I, I wouldn't have remembered any of that. But it, it was a lot of blood. It was a lot of watching people mutilate themselves, you know, their flesh getting shredded. Um, you would see people you in the crowd of- uncomfortable. You say a lot of blood, but I- – for that kind of match, I'd say Cody bled more than either of these guys. Like you never had the yeah. doctor come over to, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I guess it's a fair statement. It wasn't. Yeah, I don't want to picture. I, I don't. It wasn't that Cody Dustin match with the blood. Um, uh, it, 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 it was just a very violent match where they they were definitely mutilating their skin. You know, they were they were shredding each other, and. Uh, uh, there were some pretty nasty spots. Guys getting thrown on glass, that kind of stuff. Taking a lot of very dangerous risks. Um, at the end of the I day, I thought it, I enjoyed it. Like I thought it was, I thought it was a good match. It was fine. A lot of people thought it was too much. Um, I'm not a fan. My only complaint is I'm not a fan of that style of wrestling, and I think that promotes that style of wrestling. And because of that, I think uh, you know I'm less I'm less to be interested in it and, and, and support it. But as far as the match went, it was entertaining, and uh, you know it was worth watching. And it's one of those that is—it's going to be part of Kenny Omega's uh, career story, and uh, it redefines John Moxley as that hardcore guy. <clears throat> if if every John Moxley match is going to be like this, I don't know where they go from here. But uh, John Moxley ends up winning. You know, they, they remove the uh, padding from the ring, and they do some pretty nasty spots uh, with no padding in the middle of the ring, and. Uh, yeah, Moxley ends up winning it, uh, which, which I think is the right move because here you tell the story that so Kenny Omega's on this losing streak, and he hasn't been himself, you know, since he lost his best friend Kota Ibushi and he left Japan, and I think that's a story they're telling that he's just kind of he's lost in the stream of this new federation, and everyone thought he was going to be the star, and he's not. He's not living up to expectations. And here he goes, and he goes to John Moxley in John Moxley's match, and he fights John Moxley in the same same style of John Moxley. He he wrestles a deathmatch wrestler in a deathmatch, and he goes all deathmatch. So I think they they're telling the story when Kenny Omega eventually gets a rematch with John Moxley, they could tell the story. Well, John Moxley beat Kenny Omega in a in a fight in a, in, a, in a violent match. Now, Kenny Omega is going to bring his game, his, his game as a wrestler inside the ring, to John Moxley and most likely going to win. But, I mean, that's, again, that's a story they're building for in the future, which is smart. If that's where they're going with this, then they're doing some really good storytelling. So, But another interesting loss to Cody, uh, or uh, to uh, Kenny Omega, and as we said earlier, you know, Cody lost, the Young Bucks lost, that whole inner circle was losing with the exception of Adam Page. So, yeah, some uh, some storytelling going on, hopefully, because uh, it is very strange that none of those guys are getting wins. So everybody who says things about uh, the the final match and it being too gruesome, Al, uh, it, you know, I know you mentioned that to me. I, it was nice to hear from you because I have known 
that you're not big into the blood and guts and the hardcore matches and whatnot. And I don't think I am either. I don't, I don't think, I don't know if my, if I do have that big of an opinion on it, but um, this match to me seemed like it was a great theater. It was great wrestling theater to me uh, for a lot of it. Like, I think a lot of that stuff, uh, mind you, the glass shards may be landing on that's going to stick in your back and stuff. That's going to hurt and whatnot. But a lot of it felt like it was kind of gimmicked. Like, the camera angles on the barbed wire mattress back there, all of the rings on the outside had barbs sticking out of them, but I don't know what they fell into. You know what I mean? Like, I think a lot of that stuff, it's per- perpetuated. And they've alluded to that in the past with the chair shot when Tony Khan was asked, and he's like, well, it looked like it was hard. To, it looked like it was bad to me. You know, they're alluding to that. It. I think that a lot of that, I think these guys had control of a lot of it. Don't get me wrong. I mean, they're putting their bodies on the line and all kinds of things. You, you can't really fake landing on straight plywood, which, I mean, it still has some give. But I don't know. A lot of it to me, it didn't seem as hardcore as these haters make it seem. Yeah. Yeah, um, well, it was though. They, they, I mean, they took a lot of really crazy risks, and you know, but landing no, on they, mousetraps. I mean, that, those aren't even going to really hit hit you. Like I, that, that's a gimmick. Oh yeah, look at all the mousetraps. Like, I don't see how they're going to actually land. How they were landing on him. You know what I mean? I, I, yeah. I, the glass shards. Those are going into you. That's going to hurt. Um. But the other the other things like that, um, the, the that bed. Oh, yeah. And then that full gear sign that he went through. I mean, you know, that's the sugar glass, I would think. You know what I mean? Right. That, that uh, what was it? Was it Shane and Kurt Angle thought they were going into sugar glass and they weren't? Um, it, it's that kind of thing. I think these guys were very careful. They're very good at what they do. Um I just realized we've had a lot of Facebook comments uh, during the show that we just completely missed. Wait, we have? Yeah. Yeah, there's like two different there's like two different feeds. And if you're not on the right one, we don't see the comments. So I, I we'll get that we'll get that corrected next week, so we'll be on those. Um Yeah, yeah I, it just I, I it just wasn't you know, even if it is the sugar glass and stuff, then that's the stuff you start thinking about. During the match, like, oh, that's gimmick. Oh, that, oh, that's, you know, oh, look at how they fake that. And then the stuff that they really are doing, it's like, oh, man, that's that's just too much. So, I don't know. I don't think you could win. I don't think this was a bad thing or, or like, disastrous. I thought it was, they both performed to the best of their abilities. They both put on a hell of a show. It, it was entertaining. And uh, it told the story. So, I'm not going to fault it or say it doesn't belong. Because I like a little bit of everything in wrestling. And... You know, this generation doesn't have an ECW. They don't. They didn't see a lot of this stuff. And I think a lot of fans, especially the younger people, are, are looking like, hey, I heard wrestling used to be really crazy. And to go ahead and have something that was really crazy, it's good. You know, it tells a story. And uh, they're, they're building a federation and a legacy, and that's just part of it. So I'm not, I'm not completely down on it. I just have – I'm just down on – 
that because it, it encourages that on the, the indies. You know, when you have guys who don't have health insurance, who, who don't get paid a million dollars a year or $100,000 a year, but are making $30 to wrestle in front of 20 people, and, and they're doing a massive dive off the top of the ladder, you know, through a plate glass window, and, and an artery gets severed. You know, it, it's just... I, I don't that that's the stuff I don't want to see, and uh, this this encourages it. But yes, this is profes- These are professionals, and um, this is a style of wrestling that's been around since basically uh, you know the beginning. Very popular in Puerto Rico. Um, uh, that's kind of where it, it started. You know, the colognes out there, and uh, you know it was brought to the United States, and ECW uh, made a, a lot of money off of it, and uh, a lot of independent federations have made a killing. WWE did some business with it. Um, it's a style of wrestling, you know? Abdul the Butcher, the fork and the razor. Aria Whitner of Wrestling Observer Newsletter called the match disgusting, and if she never sees another AEW Lights Out match again, it will be too soon. Good, don't watch. They turn the lights uh, off. Other people over at CBS Sports uh, giving it uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of thumbs up. Uh, Saying that those were uh, the the championship match and that both got an A minus. Um, yeah, I mean, I I think I think overall the the pay per view I I give it a solid B B plus something like that. I I'll give I it an A. Yeah, I I enjoyed it a lot. B plus. Yeah, I I jump up to an A minus A somewhere in there. I had a good time with it. I thought that. Uh, I think there's some very good professional wrestling going on there. I do too, and I can't wait for uh, their show coming up on uh, Wednesday night. It's going to be uh, Must See TV, which is what I want from wrestling. And I'm not, you know, Monday Night Raw is on right now, and I can't even, I can't even think of one thing I want to go watch from it. I can't even think of things that are going on that I'm, I'm interested in. I'm sure I'll sit down and I'll be like, oh yeah, oh the, the whole the NWA or uh, the Jesus, the NXT SmackDown Raw feud is going on right now. I forgot about that. So I'll go see what's going on with that, but it's just not as interesting or compelling. And right now it is more compelling with AEW. And I am looking forward, most forward to, you know, seeing uh, Dynamite on Wednesday night. So they're doing everything right so far, and they continue to be uh, putting on really good content and good work. So. You know, Larry here, uh, he had a couple good points on this last uh, little bit of wrestling. I know we, we missed them, you know, as we were talking about it. But uh, he, he said kind of kind of like having only known MJF as a heel prior to him joining AEW, he's glad he's turned. He's so damn good at it. I mean, that's correct. You and I both said it. He's, he does a hell of a job as a heel, and they've, yeah. they've set him to be that, and it, it's going well. And then he also mentioned that Jericho has a big match coming up in NJPW in two months. That's the Wrestle Kingdom, right? Correct. Um, Which he's gonna, will he still be the well, AEW champ when he goes there? I think he, he could be. Well, there were some rumors going into this uh, that maybe they put the title on Cody because they don't want to see their world champion go to Japan and lose to Tanahashi. Um, so Jericho is going to be wrestling the guy who was the ace of the company for the last 15 years. He's you know a 14-time world champion over there. Uh, I believe that's right. You know, if not, he he's one of the the most won uh, titles. Um, you know, Okada just beat, broke his streak as the longest reigning champion. Um, 
So this guy's the, the real deal. He's basically, um, you know, I, 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 like, I like comparing him to John Cena as far as star power goes in Japan, uh, although he was a totally uh, different kind of champion. He was a loved champion. So, so Tanahashi and Jericho uh, really is just kind of a dream match from uh, a decade ago. And uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be a good match. But I would really be surprised if Jericho won that match. It, it's pretty much a given that I think Tanahashi, who's been on a losing streak for like two years, is gonna come up with a big win here. So, yeah. So so there was some strategy because they're two different companies, and it doesn't seem like there's a lot of good blood between the two companies. Um, that you know they don't they don't want their champion being discouraged by losing. In front of that crowd, but I don't. I don't think. I think you could. You know, Jericho is smart enough to make it work. Like I just trust Chris Jericho to be able to to perform in some way or tell some kind of story where you walk away going, "Damn, you know, Jericho just had a great match, and you know there was a reason he lost, and maybe it's jet lag. You know, maybe his flight gets delayed, and he he decides to go out and drink a little bit of the bubbly, and uh, you know he's clearly drunk the night before. You know, they'll, they'll well, tell some story that'll work. At his age, he's a little too old to be out there drinking all that bubbly overnight, you know? I mean, yeah. he is getting up there in age. And how long do you want to see him hold this title? That's the question. I, I don't know. Do I want to see him hold it for a full year? Well, maybe, so I can see him, so I can see the title change hands at All Out. Maybe, maybe that's what I want to see. So I can see it live. But I, I don't know. A 49, he, he turned 49, I believe, yesterday. Like uh, he, he uh, or Saturday, I think it was. I think he, he just uh, turned 49 years old. Um, yeah. Well, we didn't get to talk about Cody's promo going into this. I think, I think, I think they sold some, uh, they sold some uh, pay-per-views with that. Cody had a hell of a promo going into it. Yeah, very good promo. Jericho called him out for having the silver spoon in wrestling, and he's like, "Well, you grew up the son of a pr- professional hockey player, living, you know, living eating from the same silver spoon as me." It was. Hell yeah. of a promo. Yeah, it, great job. It, it, not not to take away from what happened at the events Saturday night, which, by the way, uh, Saturday nights, I know that's not good for you pay-per-view-wise, but I think it's a fantastic thing. I, I like Saturday night sports. It was fun. That was cool. Great. Yeah. So uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi actually has a birthday in two days. He'll be turning 43. So, you know, he, he he's, a, he's an older guy, too. So, yeah, his match with Jericho is going to be interesting. Mhm. All right. Well, we'll we'll keep you updated on that as as it gets closer. We'll see what happens Wednesday uh, with with AEW, and of course uh, next week we'll talk uh, we'll talk some more Bears. We'll talk some more football. We're gonna you're buying into the Larcher uh, uh, system, so we'll we'll see if maybe I cost you some money next week, or maybe uh, we bring home all the money. Yeah. I'll I'll take it all. Like if if we can just get you know, eighty grand here, sixty grand there, no big deal, nothing too huge or anything. But now if we win big, if we win big on uh, on Sunday, what do you say we go to Wrestle Kingdom? Depends on how big we win. All right. Well, we'll see. We'll see. I'll I mean, let's say let's say you won fifty grand. I don't think that's enough to go to Wrestle Kingdom. What? Sixty grand. No, well, no, no. I'm more than fifty with you. That's twenty-five each, right? Right. Right. 
So twenty five grand each. How much am I spending to go to Tokyo for Wrestle Kingdom? Two grand. Two grand. That's all I'm spending on the entire trip. Yeah. Easily. All right. That's about that's about a month of daycare for my kids right there. Yeah. Yeah, but you didn't have it before. This is fine. You're coming. uh, You're coming to Japan. If I have to do it like on the A team and knock you out and put you on a plane and you wake up in a in a gi drinking some green tea uh, coffee, then uh, how would you do it? It might be a Baracus. I'm a little Mr. T over here. I'm Mr. T on this uh, scenario. Perfect. Perfect. Of course, okay. I'm. Of course, I'm Colonel. I'm Colonel Smith. You know. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love it when a plan comes together, Clark. Whose face? Um. Uh, uh, I did you ever have the man like a Cole Beasley? Did you ever have like the uh, the the hot the Hot Wheels version of the van or like a small version of the van? I had I had the van. The I did, yeah, van. absolutely. The black full size van, yeah, with the red streak. Yeah. All right, buddy. Well, we'll 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 see what we do next week. Most likely, we'll be talking about all the, all the money I cost you, but that's just the way gambling goes. So, hey, no, until next time. I've got faith. Thanks, Al. Have a good night. All right, buddy. I have no music, so... We can end it with this. Repositioning Moxley now. After driving Moxley headfirst into those pine boards. Way up there in parts unknown of no man's land. No zip code here. Omega. No no reason, no margin of error. Right on his face. And it went to hell. And, and it went to hell, Clark. Into that wood. Into that wood. All right, Al. Fans cannot believe what they're saying. All right, good night, buddy. Good night. Taking a page out of the Golden Stars playbook and paying the price. One, two, three.